I'm going to just read something from the New Testament. Uh, it's in the letters of 1 John. Just a few verses. 1 John chapter 2. And it'll be verses... 13 and 14, uh, 12, sorry, to 14. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven for you his name, in his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Now, there are three categories of people here. There are children young men, and fathers. Different levels of maturity in age, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Now, I've dug out some cards that I got from my children on Father's Day. I keep them. And this one was awarded to the best, and I'm sure you've all had these. And this was written before, Amy, you were born. So this was David... And it was in his best Oakwood infant school writing, or perhaps best Noah's Ark preschool writing. To Daddy, I love you. Happy Father's Day. That's printed, love David. And then he's got Jaffa cakes over here because that's what he liked and that's what he was often given. <laughs> and David would have been probably about three at that point. And it was delightful to get a card like that. Delightful. That's why I've kept it. Then, there was one when he was a teenager, and this was in his best secondary school writing, thought the badge was very, was, was very, was very it wasn't, wasn't the best of writing, thought, <laughs> thought the badge was very fitting, and it says, grumpy but great. <laughs> Do you ever get that, Colin? Yeah. Some of us get these cards, Happy Father's Day to someone who's grumpy, but great. <laughs> I hope you have a great day. Love from David and Amy. They were probably, he was probably about 13 at the time. Now I've got one today from both of them. This is Amy's, with a monkey on. Actually, that's a common theme for cards I get. They tend to have monkeys or chimpanzees. <laughs> and... Um, it's uh, thank you all for all you do for me and for David. You're an amazing dad. And I love that as well, all three. And David sent me something similar this morning. You get one when he was three, one when he was 13, one when he's 24. All three to the same father, all three precious. But there'd be something odd if the letter I got this week from David, the card was in his best Oakwood writing. There'd be something odd. 
because now we have a mature relationship. I have a mature relationship with Amy. I recommend her books. She recommends me books. I've already recommended one. And the goal of the Christian faith, if you can put the first slide up, Brian, why we are Christians, it's not, first and foremost, to get a meal ticket to heaven. That is so, so shallow. So shallow a vision of the kingdom of God. Sure, if you want a meal ticket, you can have one. But God wants a relationship with us in the same way as fathers and mothers. We have a relationship with our children. Now, those three-year-old cards, like the three-year-old prayers that I may have given when I was a young Christian, they bring delight to the Lord's heart. He remembers them. They're in the bowl. They're there. And he takes delight in the prayers that we bring as teenagers. They don't get suddenly swept away because you've now graduated as an adult. Every prayer, every conversation, everything we are and do before God in Christ is remembered. But our future glory is that we will be fully adopted as mature sons and daughters our graduation ceremony, when we graduate as sons and daughters, the backcloth will be creation and the universe as it is liberated and celebrates mature men and women who are made in the image of Christ and who reflect him. That is why when we talk about the Father heart of God, I have got no problem talking about children knowing for the first time in this passage we read that they're forgiven but there's far, far more to the fatherhood of God than writing three-year-old birthday cards when you're 20, 30, 50 years of age. There's far more to the fatherhood of God than that. And as Christians, those of us who already are Christians, we need to rethink theologically through the scriptures what it means to be born into a family, a Trinitarian family, with a father who loves children and loves the little child in all of us. I love being a little child. I some of the best times I have are when I come into this school and do assemblies in the infant school. I love it. And there's a little child in all of us that is a little bit, well, not quite because she's very young, Melody, but there's a little child in all of us that God loves and delights. But we are called to grow up and to mature and to become strong in the knowledge and the love of God. We don't lose the innocence of childhood, but rather like I had today and this week, receiving cards from David and Amy, you're receiving cards from mature adults, those that really do know how to say something and articulate something or to be who they are. All of it's important but heaven is not the meal ticket. Christianity is not some meal ticket. I prayed a prayer in 1984. I haven't changed since then, but so what? I've got a meal ticket to heaven. It is about knowing the Father heart of God. It is exploring the most amazing person you can know Amen. in the living God. That is what Christianity is all about. And that's what I put up here. Happy Father's Day. Now, on Alpha... 
on Wednesday. Alpha is a course we do for um, people who are just exploring the Christian faith. I encourage those to go away because it was Father's Day and say, if there was a Father's Day card you bought and could write a card to the Lord, to Jesus, to God, what would you say? How would you write a Father's Day card to God, to Heavenly Father, to Jesus? How would you write it? What would you say? What would you put in it? You may want to go away and think about that yourself because there's nothing wrong with any of these cards that I've received over the years. They're all precious. But there's something very precious when you read a card from someone who has grown up, is walking with the Lord, knows him and is growing in him and can begin to start to speak back into your own life. And the Lord is looking for mature sons and daughters because he wants to liberate this world from the crisis that it's in. He wants to liberate this world from the kingdoms that enslave, that say money is more important than power, that sex is more important than anything else in the world. All the gods, the counterfeit gods that Tim Keller speaks of, that the world runs after, the Lord is looking for you and I to be the liberators of this world. Where you spend most of your time 24-7 living for Jesus, breathing him, living for him, and knowing him. And it doesn't matter if at the moment you're just a little three-year-old Three-year-old prayers count. They carry clout. They really do. But let's make it our goal, if we're, say, three years of age this morning, spiritually speaking, to get to the point where we become a teenager. Now, a teenager, in the passage we looked at, I write to you young men because you're strong. Why are they strong? The Word of God is living in them, and they've overcome the devil. You think, wow, that's a pretty strong endorsement for a teenager spiritually, the word of God is living in them and they've overcome the devil. And there's still something beyond that we can grow into which is absolute fatherhood and motherhood of others where we go even beyond that. Let's make it our goal in this season of fasting if we're going to do it, engage in it. Lord, I want to grow. I want to grow that little bit more so that the next Father's Day card in prayer I give to you is nearer four than three, nearer a ten-year-old than a five-year-old. There is something very, very sad, and I'm at that age in life where I'm starting to come into it, where you look at certain people and think, when are you going to grow up before you get any older? You can get away with this kind of immaturity and behavior when you're in your twenties, but you're believing a delusion if you think that God accepts and affirms immaturity and stupidity and foolishness, that his word clearly doesn't. Church leaders that think they can commit adultery, walk out on a wife, oh, the grace of God will wrap it all up. No, no, no. Only if there is a maturity and an attitude before God that says a man who's a mature man of God, living like that, stumbling many. It's so important that we grow up into the fullness of all that God has for us. Next one. Now, 
How many of you like Kellogg's Corn Flakes? How many of you choose to go for the cheaper brand? Be honest. How many of you think the cheaper brand is better? One or two of you are trying to be honest. <laughs> I, I only like the brands like Kellogg's because there is, I suppose I may have been a victim of advertising, but there's something about the real thing. When you see this signature, you know it's a Kellogg's brand, and you can tell it straight off. It's different from all the others. And um, we go to the next one, Brian, because it ties in. <clears throat> There's a verse in the Bible that says this, no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ Jesus. It's 2 Corinthians 1.20, those of you who like to have references. And God has put his signature on checks, waiting for our check, waiting for our signature to come onto these checks, to draw on his grace and to draw on his resources. It's a little bit like this 10 pound note I've got here. It says, I promise to pay the bearer on demand the sum of 10 pounds. Chris Salmon, chief cashier. That carries clout because the signature on it can endorse and give 10 pounds worth of value in exchange for this note. When you see the Kellogg signature, you know you're seeing a brand that's trustworthy and reliable. When God has given us a promise, when he's said promises to us, and he's made many, he puts his signature, his authorized signature, on the check. And he invites us to put our name under his name so that we can draw on what that check represents. Now, it doesn't represent money, but let's put it personal. Here's one of them to me personally. I won't put your name in this yet. You can put your own in. Pay Simon Orton total forgiveness, a peace that transcends all understanding, a hope beyond the grave, a knowledge of who I am, the gift of my Holy Spirit, the gift of my word, and it could go on and on and on, signed your heavenly Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord invites me to put my name there where I agree with his signature, I agree with what he's offering, I agree with what he's saying about our lives. And I think heaven is full of unsigned checks where people haven't yet signed up for what God has called them to. Unfulfilled prayer projects, unfulfilled destinies, unfulfilled hopes. We put our name on this check, whatever it is that God is calling you to this morning. Now, some of you may not be Christians. And I'm not into this sort of manipulating people with the back of a hand to become a Christian. But if you want to know more of God's grace, peace, forgiveness, and change, he's got his signature here. He's got your name here. You have to just come and agree with what he's saying and put your name alongside his name. You're not ashamed to have your name associated with the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I resolve to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Not ashamed. If we move on to the next one, because we haven't got long left. Now this is uh, a picture really of a little child reaching out to try and just grab the finger of an adult hand. And some of us, we think, well, what is God like? Can I really trust God? What's he like? He's so big, so massive, so beyond my... How do I, how do I know? And the God of the Bible revealed in Jesus, the God of the Father, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, he offers you the equivalent of his little finger to begin with, to just grab hold of. He doesn't come and zap you. He knows that you've got a feeble frame. He knows we're limited in our thinking and understanding. And it's like putting out a little finger like that to Fiona, or big finger, and saying, just take a hold of that. And once you've tasted the Lord's goodness and tasted that you can actually trust him and that he's for you, not against you, you can begin to start moving from holding his hand to finger to holding his hand. And then you begin to start to give even more of your life over to a God you can trust. Let me give you an illustration of this. Let's suppose there's an old man walking down the road in Southampton. He's 90 years of age. And let's suppose this man was involved in some of the most shocking bombings of German cities and has seen some of the most shocking things of war. And this old man has a tiny little girl who's about three years old, and this three-year-old girl is his granddaughter. This little three-year-old granddaughter doesn't know what that granddad's done. She doesn't know that he has bombed cities, doesn't know the sort of things that have shaped or scarred his life. She just sees the little hand of the old man reaching out, sees granddad's little finger, grabs it because she knows she can trust him. Even though she doesn't know anything about his history, she's too small. When we first start to walk with God, why humility is so important is our God is way beyond our finite comprehension. We reach out and we grab his little finger and as we begin to walk with him, we begin to discover who he is and we begin to surrender not just our little hand but the whole of our life to him. Now I never knew my real dad. Never knew him. Had an adopted father but never knew my real dad. And sometimes that can be a disadvantage. Sometimes it can also be a great advantage because, well not great advantage, you only have a vision of a heavenly father that's not been shaped by a biological dad you've never met. And God is coming this morning to all of us and saying, just grab a hold of my little finger. Trust me with the things in your life that you're trying to fix for yourself. Trust me. Trust my little finger more than the whole of your mind and the whole of your being. And that is what he's asking us to do. And I'll finish with this, because I don't want to speak for long. 
I don't want to embarrass Amy on this, but she already knows I'm going to share this. But Amy was offered an unconditional place to read Japanese and Spanish in Norwich, East Anglia University. An unconditional offer means you don't have to do anything to earn it. You can turn up with no grades, and you're still there. Uh, I'm saying this to those of us who've been Christians for a while. We've grown up with a toxic phrase called the unconditional grace of God, carte blanche. God's grace towards us is unconditional at the point at which we receive it. We receive the grace of God like Amy received that offer unconditionally. You don't earn it. If she continued to live as if she wasn't at university, didn't study, didn't do anything, she would fail that degree and that unconditional offer would be received in vain. Now, she might just graduate with a pass, but when we receive the grace of God unconditionally, and we, and we have, we then are called to not receive that grace in vain. We are called to allow that grace to transform and change our lives. The same Paul that writes in Romans 6 about the grace of God being freely given writes in Romans 12, now present your bodies as a living sacrifice to be holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. I'm not suggesting for one minute that you can be in one minute and out the next, but this understanding of grace that it doesn't matter how I live my life because dad's forgiven me, I can do what I like, that is not biblical Christianity. That is still addressing God like a three-year-old at the age of 33. We are called to grow in the grace of God, not to receive that grace in vain. Sure, he loves us, and sure, he's not going to reject us. But as I grow as a Christian, I don't want to be praying like a three-year-old at the age of 54. I still want to appreciate all my childhood and the child in me, but there's far, far more to the kingdom of God than just knowing I'm forgiven and knowing I've got a second chance. There's far more to it than that. We receive unconditional grace, unconditioned grace when we first come to faith, but then we're called to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not to receive that grace in vain. Not to despise that grace. Not to pretend it doesn't happen or doesn't exist. In the drama, the youngest son despised his father's grace until he came back to his senses. The older brother had the grace there available all the time, but despised it and didn't access. We receive unconditional grace and acceptance. That is called being declared right before God, being justified. Those of you who like theology, sanctification, how you become more like Jesus, is where you run with all your heart into his heart and you allow that grace to transform and change you from one degree of glory to another. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.